So it's great to be in the house together and it's great to hear God. And my prayer always as I preach what God has put on my heart is that God would divide this message up so that everybody has heard from him this morning. That he will just use what I've prepared to bless you and to stir you and to encourage and challenge you. So are you ready for this message this morning? Cool. It's only 4.5 hours, people, so hold on to your seats. But we're in a series at the moment in church, which is called Step Into the Flow. And it's based around the river in Ezekiel 47, where Ezekiel is shown guided through this vision of this amazing river that starts as a trickle out of the temple and it flows out and it becomes this amazing river that reaches out to the Dead Sea. And we've, over the series, the beginning of the year, we've started to look in depth at these verses. And so I'm coming from a different angle today about this river. Because as Ezekiel is led through this amazing vision by this man, he steps into the river and it starts off ankle depth. And then he moves on and it goes to knee depth. Then it goes to waist depth. Then it goes over the shoulders and over the head and it's completely immersed. It's swimming depth at that point. And what I love about these verses is that Ezekiel doesn't stop on the side of the river, on the banks, and look at where the river flows to and looks at the depth of it. But he gets in and he goes through the steps, ankle, knee, waist, shoulder, into the river. And so I want to look at that today about going deeper into this river. Now, I don't know about you, but in the summer, I like to go to the beach, good old Frinton. Who's a Frinton fan around here? Like a bit of Frinton, yes, that's it. Clacton, anyone? Clacton, Mersey, yeah, we'll go through it. But there, for me, is a ritual of getting into the sea. You see, my children will be the kids as they are, they run all the way in. But I've got a little ritual, and it starts with a big toe. Because we're in England, people, the sea is not that warm, and you have to put one toe in for me, just to get used to the water. And then you turn with the biggest smile and go, oh, it's not too bad. <laughs> and then I get into the ankles, and then the veins start to go bluer as I'm getting deeper into the water. Then I get into my knees. But then it's the waste for me, because you're half committed then, aren't you? You see, you're in. And what I always do, and I think, why do I do this? I don't go on my tiptoes. Because... You're trying to get a couple of extra inches where it's not on you. And everyone will be like, wet your arms, just get under. You know, Dan's out there swimming across to Holland or something like that. And then eventually, I'm under my shoulders and I'm in. And I'm like, I've done it. And then I get acclimatized to the water. And I'm like, yes, I've done it. But there's a little ritual for me of going in. And I want to look today with this river in Ezekiel 47 as faith steps. I want to look at those steps, those levels of faith steps. So there's the steps of faith on the bank. There's your ankle depth, there's your knee depth, there's your waist depth, there's your in over your head, but that's the best place to be. And I want to encourage you on your faith journey today, on this walk with God, that there's always room to go deeper. There's always an expanse of ocean. There's always greater places the river flows, and it's time to go deeper, church, in faith. So you're ready for this ride of faith, yeah? Come on. Faith is getting into the flow. I want to remind you of a verse this morning in Hebrews 11, verse 1. And I love the way that this is entitled in my hard copy of my Bible. Just get in there. Is faith in action. Because there's an action to our faith. And it says here now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. And assurance about what we do not see. 
And the truth is as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we have that confidence and that assurance of our faith in Jesus. And the confidence and assurance that we have this morning is that he is who he says he is. And he can do what he says he can do. And he's given us salvation. And I want to stir you in your faith this morning for the things that you don't yet see to put your hope and your trust and your confidence in Jesus. He is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. And you know, throughout the Bible, there are so many promises that God gives to us. There are thousands of them. You know, you Google it, it'll take you a long time to look at them all. But I want to remind you of some of them today, just to stir your faith again. And some of the promises of God is salvation. That's a promise. Eternity is a promise. He promises us adoption into his family. He promises us forgiveness, help, and guidance. He promises us his faithfulness. He promises us his wisdom, his strength, his peace, his joy. Can I carry on? Because there's a lot of promises of God in the Bible. He promises us his provision, his rest. He promises to never leave us. He promises deliverance from enemies, from danger, and from temptation. He promises us healing and renewal. And he promises us that one day he will send Jesus back. You know, these are the promises of God. And when we look through our Bible and we get into our word, we understand there's so much promise for our life. And when you read promises like that, that God is always with us, that he will help us through situations, he'll provide for us, he's given us salvation, that we have eternity with him. My question is, why do we live a life that's not filled with faith when we know all the promises of God? You see, if you've got creator of heaven and earth on your side, are you on the winning side? If you have the promises that he will be with you through your life, well, it's a good thing, isn't it? And yet sometimes our faith can get a bit shaken. And sometimes we can feel like, okay, I have the, the faith for that God, but, but I don't have the faith for that. And we stand on the banks of the river. And why is that? Why do we not go all in? Like the kids, they get to the beach and they're straight in there straight into the water. They don't care about the cold. They don't care what could be lurking underneath the water, jellyfish, clacton, you know, these sort of things. They do not care because they're straight all in because they just want to go in and enjoy the moment. And I think as a church, you know, God is calling us deeper. Get off the banks, ankle, knee, waist, shoulders, swim. That's where our faith needs to be. Our faith needs to be secure in the one who secures it all. And I want to encourage you with that this morning, church. But I think our need to be in control of our lives is why we don't go all in. Because we like to say, okay, God, yeah, I'm going to trust you with this aspect of my life. But health and family, no, 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 I, I need to take care of that. that that's, that's my responsibility. Or it's with our jobs. No, 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 God, no, don't touch my job, my career, the thing I'm going for, the thing I want in my life. No, you can't touch that. I, I've got the faith for everything else and I trust you with that. But, but the thing that's personal to me, no, I can't trust you with it. And yet God wants us to trust him and put our hope and our faith in every aspect of our lives. Because who knows we serve a good God. And he's got better plans than we can have for ourselves. You know, sometimes we think we've got the A plan and that's it. But he's saying, hello. I have something better for you, but if you just step in deeper and you go beyond the banks and beyond the ankle depth and you start swimming out with me, I'll take you to deeper depths and higher heights. I'll give you a vastness because I've got more for you. And whatever's happened, church, personally in your life, 
God is saying again, it's time to go again. It's time to get your faith up. It's time to put your faith and your hope and your trust in the one who holds it all. It's time to go in. I want to look at this with the call of Abram, who became Abraham. It's really hard when you're preaching to not keep referring to him as the new name when God breathes on him, but it's Abram. So I want to look at the call of Abram, and this is found in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 4. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now there's so much in here. See, God comes to Abram with a promise. He's 75 years old, his wife Sarai, she's old, and he says, I've, I've got something new for you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. I will be with you. I have promises for your life. But you need to leave what you're familiar in now. You need to leave your hometown. You need to go to the place I'm calling you, and I will make you a great nation. I will give you offspring. He promises this. So I just love verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. He just did it. He was armed with the promises of God. He didn't say, okay, where am I going what does it look like? Where's the map? Where's the blueprint? Where will I live? What shall I take? Where will you provide for me? Where's my next meal coming from? He doesn't ask God all these questions, but he steps out in faith and he dives all in and he says, okay, I'm going to go. I love that because to be quite honest, I'd be a bit like, okay, what does that look like? I like details, people. Anyone like me, I like to know. If you say we're going out for the day, where are we going? What time are we meeting? Where will we have lunch? What should I wear? You know, it's those sort of things I need. But I love the, the fact that Abram just obeyed God. And he just said, yeah, I'm going to go. And so him and his wife and Lot, they set off and they obeyed God. And see, we know the end of the story. We know what happens in the story. And we know the ups and downs of Abram's story. We know whether he obeyed when he disobeyed. We know when he set off down his own route and he literally didn't do what God said but how God turned it around because he was a man of faith and he stepped out and he did get the promise that God gave him of a son Isaac and at that point when he has Isaac we think brilliant end of the story but it's not because because Abram is tested in his faith he then has to take the promise that he's received, the thing he yearned for, offspring, a son and he gets to the point where he has to sacrifice his son as God had told him, imagine being in that moment. And literally, as the Bible tells us, it's literally to the last minute. He's about to honor God and give up the greatest desire that he had in his heart. God, okay, you're asking me to give this back to you, and I've got to sacrifice my son. Imagine that moment of anguish. And just about when he's about to kill him, God steps in, and there's a ram in the thicket. And he says, you obeyed me because you're a man of faith. You put your faith and your trust and your hope even to the last minute in me. And I want to say to someone here that there's a last minute going on in your world and your situation. But your God says, do you trust me? Put your faith and your hope in me. I am almighty God. Stop doing it in your own strength. Stop standing on the banks and get into the flow of faith in the river. 
Abram had trust without borders. He trusted God right to the last minute. I want to stir us up again for that trust and that faith and that hope in God. And look at me, look at me, look with me at Genesis 22, verse 17. This is again God speaking to Abram. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. It's about obedience to God. Where God is telling us to go deeper, where he's telling us to trust him more, where he's saying, come on, where's your faith at? Step into a new flow of faith. And God did make descendants through Abram because there's you and me, Father Abraham. Do you remember that song? So not going to sing it. Father Abraham had many sons. But we are part of that descendants. We are part of that line because of him stepping out in faith. And it's all because an old man and a barren woman decided to follow God. She was barren. She laughed and they said, you'll become pregnant. She was so old. She literally was beyond childbearing age, but God blessed them. And he made a nation out of Abram and Sarai. And we know the rest of the story. Because God is moved by the faith of people. Go to the land I show you. Okay, get me stuff and I'll go. You will have a son. Okay, they had a son. God is moved when people step out in faith. God is moved by your faith. What are you trusting and believing God for today? What vision do you have for your life? What promises are you clinging on to that God has given you and that are in the word of God? What hopes, dreams, what haven't you seen yet? Have you seen the move of the miraculous yet in your life? Are you believing for that? Have you seen the impossible made possible yet, church? Are you believing for that? Because it's in the word of God. I want to encourage you to believe for more, to step out in faith for your life and for the life of those around you. You know, what could this church look like when we step out in faith? What could your family look out when we step out in a greater level of faith? It's all about putting trust in God. He is the expert. He is the master craftsman. We need to trust him. And to illustrate this, I've got a funny story to share with you, although it wasn't funny at the time. I need to just add that. And this was set many years ago. Um, Dan and I went on holiday to Antigua, beautiful island to go on holiday to. We were having a great time there. The sun was shining. We were snorkeling. We were enjoying ourselves on holiday. And then we met this couple, and they had literally sort of ran over from the beach to us and they were so excited we've seen them at dinner a few nights it's that holiday thing you know when you sort of chat to someone and they want to become your best mate and you're like oh yeah okay don't really want to be your best mate on holiday but yes you know okay be real good christian and be friendly to you but they sort of like were drawn to us all the time so we had to hide from them a bit on holiday that's a different story but anyway um, so they came running over and they went, ah, oh, we've just got back from the stingray swimming trip. You know, you go to the island of the stingrays and you swim with them and it's absolutely amazing. It's the best experience we've ever had and they really sold it to us. So I was like, well, I like snorkeling. We've enjoyed this so far. So we said, yeah, we'll sign up to go and swim with the stingrays. All oh, people, I didn't realise what I'd signed up for. So anyway, so we turn up on the day of the trip and we get to the little jetty and we get onto the speedboat and there's these two amazing Antiguan guys who are driving the boat, the most laid back people you'll ever see. I'm sure they were swigging rum at the wheel, but you know, again, that's another story. But they're so laid back and they're like, hop on board, come on to swim with the stingrays. And we're going out onto the ocean and it's an area that they've sort of 
fenced off. It's really well done. But as we're getting closer and closer to where we're going to swim with them, I started to get a bit panicky. And then you know how your mind works? I thought, I'm sure a few years ago there was that crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin, and he got killed by a stingray, killed him. I started to think this, and I was getting panicky. And you know, the more you get panicky, and we're going on this speedboat, and I'm looking over at these guys who are so like laid back. I'm like, hey, even driving with your rum and everything. And literally, we're getting closer, and I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then I started thinking, well, how big they are. I mean, I've seen a stingray in sort of like the aquarium in London before. I don't really know what they're like close up. And this fear and panic started to really consume me. So I turned to one of the guys, and um, this is where people... I have to do an accent. Yeah. But I apologise in advance from anybody who is Antiguan um, when I do this accent. Because who knows what it could sound like. But um, I just leaned over and I said, oh, excuse me, sir. Um, these stingrays, are they the same ones that killed Steve Irwin? And they went, oh, no, ma'am. <laughs> oh, no, don't be so silly. These stingrays are completely different. You just lean back, enjoy the sun, swim with the stingrays, all will be good. <laughs> They're a well-traveled Jamaican Antiguan guy. And so he said, no, you'll be fine. And then they started to do the instruction video. And then this is when I really started to freak out. They said, okay, when you get into the water, it's going to be about shoulder height. So I was like, I've got to do the whole toe routine. A bit warmer over there, but I was like, okay. But when you get in, the stingrays will be on the bottom of the ocean. And so you have to be really careful because they can sting you. And I'm like, oh, Steve Irwin, you know, he came back to my mind again. I was like, okay. They said, so you have to shuffle along. You literally have to walk little steps at a time. Because if you disturb them, then they could sting you. So if you go like that, they know you're coming. They feel the vibration through the water and they will swim away. And then they will gradually swim with you. I was like, okay, so now I'm getting more scared. I'm going to go and tread on one. You know, it was just awful. So I'm looking over at Dan. He's just sitting there, like, taking the rum off the driver. And he's all laid back. And I'm like, okay. So we get closer, get out the boat. And literally, as we pull up, these guys whistle. They've literally been brought up in the business since they're, like, five years old. This is what they've done their whole life. They whistle. And some of the stingrays swim over to them. And then I saw how big they were. Oh, my word. Their literary wingspan is like this. They were huge. And I was like panicked even more. I started to really panic now. I was like, oh no, Dan's like, it's going to be fine. We're going to really enjoy this. I said, right, everybody get off the boat, get off the boat. And there's some steps down into the water. So I literally get off the boat, turn around. There's Dan swimming with them. He's, he's feeding them bananas before I've even got in. They eat bananas, which again is another preach. Because how did they know sea animals like bananas? Because they've got the skin on. So were they, you know, how do they get in the ocean initially to get a banana? But this is where my mind goes, you see. It's crazy. But anyway, they've got this banana and this fruit. And there's Dan. He's feeding them. He's holding them. And I haven't even got off the boat yet. And I'm literally like, he's like, come on in. It's lovely. And he's holding this wingspan of one about five. I was like, what are you doing? Anyway, eventually, pluck up my courage to do it. The Antiguan guy goes, come on. You never do this now. You'll never do it back in England. I was like, no, I won't. So I've got to do it. So I literally took one step down into the water. I got in, ankle, knee, waist. Got into a bit. Then I could see some of them on the floor. So little steps, <laughs> shuffling along. And eventually, they swim up. And they swim alongside you. And you start to touch them and feel them, and they're magnificent, smooth one side, rough the other side. They're like really strange looking creatures, but amazing. We start to swim with them. Next minute, I'm holding them, I'm feeding them banana. <laughs> it's like, this is great. 
it was an amazing experience and literally got back on the boat and you know that elation that you feel when you've stepped out and you're scared stiff of something but you've gone for it and you get back on the boat and I'm like I did it I'm like yes and we go back and the guys are driving the boat and they went oh by the way they are the ones that killed Steve Irwin and I went how dare you well they said, if we told you that, you would have never have done it, would you? Because you've been too scared. We could see how scared you were. So we didn't tell you that. But the thing is, we're the experts with these. We've known them since we're five years old. They're like our pets. We've tamed them so we knew it would be safe. And the same truth is, when we step out into the unknown, when we step out in faith with the master, with the expert, we have nothing to fear because we know he's gone before. He, we know we can step out in faith, even though it looks scary, even though I can't see where the river of faith flows, even when I don't know what next year looks like, I can step out in faith and you can step out in faith knowing that God's got it. I came here to tell you that this morning. We need to exercise our faith in the unknown. We need to step out. So back to Ezekiel's river. I don't think there was any stingrays in here. Could have been, but... Ezekiel 47 verses 8 to 9. Ezekiel talking, he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. When it enters the Dead Sea, where it enters the Dead Sea, when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and it makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Do you know there's healing in the movement of your faith and God's river? There is healing when we move out in faith. Faith in your life. Faith for salvation. The living water brings life to what was dead. All the fish come alive. The salt is removed and life happens. And when we step out in faith, life happens and healing happens. Healing to our brokenness, healing to our physical bodies. When we step out into the faith that God has called us to, come on, his promises, church, are yes and amen. His promises are yes and amen. We need to put our trust in almighty God and step out in faith. But the truth is people will say... I've had my faith shaken, or my faith has been rocked. But there's been disappointment, Sarah. You don't understand what I've gone through, and I don't understand what everyone has gone through, but I know a God who has, and he does, and he's been with you, and he'll take you through to the other side of it. But you say, but I'm a bit stuck in my disappointment, really, because I actually think if I just stay at like knee depth, because that's okay for me because I, I, I know then what's happening. I can just stay in. I'm in enough, but I'm not fully in, and I'm there, and, and then I can control some stuff. But I believe God comes to say today and says, you can't control the flow of the river, but I can. You need to step into faith and go deeper and put your trust and your hope back in me again. Above all disappointment, I am the God that restores broken things. Where there was no life in the Dead Sea, life springs when the living water touches the Dead Sea. I don't know about you, but when we go swimming to Leisure World in Colchester, there's the Lazy River. And it's great to go swimming around that bit. But have you ever tried to stop and swim against it? You can do it a little bit, but it's such a current and you get pushed, you get pushed back. Or if you try to stay stationary, you actually can't. And the truth is, in this river of faith, this walk of, of salvation that we live on, it's easier to go with the flow of God than stop. 
than to stay, than to try to resist it. It's better just to say, okay, God, I take off my control and I give it to you and I will go with the flow and the direction of your river because I know that's where it leads to life. That's where broken things get restored. I want to say, church, today it's time to go again. It's time to leave your disappointment at the banks of the river and it's time to step in and get all in so that God can bless your life again. It's time for faith to rise up. Even in the times that we live in now, we have got God on our side. We are Christians. We are the called out ones. We have the faith and we need to get out there and tell the world about it. So I need to stir you up with your faith this morning. I want to share a story with you, another Bible character, and it's a story of Hannah in the Bible. And this was a woman who was stuck in a season of disappointment. She was married to a man who absolutely adored her. She had a happy life, except month after month and year after year, the one thing that she desired, she did not receive. And it made her so sad, so stuck, so disappointed and so broken. She desired a child. And in that culture, to not have a baby was so frowned on back in those days. It meant that she'd probably really disappointed God. It meant that she'd led a life that was not up to God's standard. It meant that because she was barren, it was like she was on the outskirts of society because she had not produced a child. And in that culture, the guys had more than one wife. Sounds hard work, doesn't it, men? But they would have several wives back then. And her husband's other wife could literally just look at him and she was pregnant again. It was one of those situations. She just had numerous children and she used to ridicule Hannah for the fact that she didn't have children. And you see, month after month and year after year, that disappointment grew within Hannah and it never looked like it was going to be possible for her to have a child. And on this one day of the year, when the whole of the community would go to a place called Shiloh and they would have an amazing feast and they would worship and praise God together, this one day of the year was like the highlight of their year. And they should go there and be like joyous and happy. And her husband, because he loved her so much and he felt so sorry for the fact that she'd not had children, he gave Hannah a double portion of the feast meat and the food and all the fine things. And he, he gave that to her on the side. So she should have been really, really happy. But on this day, she was just stuck and overwhelmed by the disappointment in her life. And because she was so disappointed, she went to the temple and she literally went to cry out to God. She was in that place where she's like, God, if you would just remember me, if you would just bless me, God, if you could just shift this situation that's in my life where I'm unable naturally to have a child, God, if you could just do something, God, I'm crying out to you in my disappointment and my stuckness and I'm believing you and I'm putting my faith in you, God, that you can change this situation. God, if you'd only do that, if I have a child, he will serve you all the days of his life. She cried out to God. And as she cried out in that time of anguish, she was moved. You know, she was crying so much that her lips were moving at a different time from her words. And the priest walks in and he looks on at her situation and he just thinks she's drunk. And she's like, no, my Lord, I'm not drunk. I'm a woman of anguish. I'm desperate for this child. I'm in this place of where I'm just calling on Almighty God to shift something. And so in return of that, he realized he's misjudged her. And there's people here, I think you've been misjudged in a disappointment. That people have just said, you just get over it. Come on, move on. But something's got you stuck there. 
But today I came to give you a message. <laughs> it's time to get unstuck, church. It's time to get unstuck. It's time to move forward. It's time to step into the promises of God. It's time to make a decision to say, no longer am I going to be there, but I'm moving into the flow and I'm getting in past my ankles and I'm getting up to the swimming level because God has got something different for my story. And so on seeing this, the priest Eli, when he saw Hannah in that state and he realized he got it wrong, he speaks this over her in 1 Samuel 1 and it's verses 17 to 18. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way, ate something and her face was no longer downcast. You see, in that moment, the words of encouragement by the priest, maybe prophetically he spoke into a situation. He said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your request. And in that moment, nothing had happened, changed in her situation. She wasn't suddenly miraculously pregnant. But in that moment, something shifted in her countenance. Something shifted in her heart and her mindset. And she thought, no longer do I want to be stuck in my place of disappointment and I haven't seen it yet. No longer do I want to be standing here on the banks of the river of faith and thinking it's never going to happen for me. I'm just going to be like this forever. This is my lot. She changed her countenance. She dried her eyes, but she made a decision here in her heart to move forward. I'm no longer going to be stuck and I'm going to move forward. Ezekiel 47, verse 11. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. So on the back of the previous verses, where the living water hits the Dead Sea, and life comes, and fish come. But the swamps and marshes, they'll be left for salt. Because they're stagnant. Because there's not living water. There's not movement of water. So they become stagnant. You ever seen that in the natural? A swamp and a marsh, it smells. There's no life. There's green over it. It's sludgy. It's dirty. It's not moving. And Hannah made a choice to go from the swamps and marshes and say, I'm going to get into the flow of the river with the living water. I'm no longer going to be stagnant and stuck in this situation. No longer am I going to be known by that disease. No longer will I be known by what happened to me, that disappointment, that, that failed marriage, that, that thing that happened, the business plan that didn't go right, that those kids that are away from the Lord at the moment, my situation, my illness, my, my disappointment, I will no, long, no longer be stuck there. But I'm going to say I'm going to get in again and I'm going to go again with faith. And I came to tell someone this morning that you need to say disappointment, enough. I'm moving in the river. I'm going in the flow because I'm moving forward. It's time to go again. Abram was 75 years old and his life only just started. What is God going to do in your life today? It doesn't matter the years. It's not all wasted. It's not all gone. There's a new day for you. And I came to tell you that this morning. It's time to receive the promise. Because Hannah did receive her promise. In fact, the Bible tells us the very next day, her and Abraham got jiggy. And then <laughs> she didn't even know at that time. But she would conceive Isaac. I just said, got jiggy in church. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's a new season. There we go. But she would inherit the promise and she would have her Samuel. And her Samuel was a prophet to the nations. And indeed, she gave him back to God as she promised. And he served his Lord and Savior. 
she had to go through that time of not knowing for a while she was pregnant. But imagine the moment when she realized. Imagine the moment when she had no scans back then, no confirmation with the doctor, but it started to grow and she started to realize she was carrying the promise that she'd so eagerly asked and praised her God for. It's time for the promised church. It's time to go from barrenness to fruitfulness. In Ezekiel 47 verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and the leaves for healing. And I love that fruit in every season. As we know in the natural, there is strawberry season and there is raspberry season. But strawberry season all year round sounds pretty good to me because I like strawberries. But we need fruit in every season. And I really believe that as we step out into faith and we say, okay, I'm going to make a choice to go deeper that we will have fruit in every season. And these leaves of the trees bring healing. And I believe that as Dan spoke this morning, that there is a time of healing for brokenness. And whatever that brokenness looks like for you, people in your life, for this world, God has the healing for that brokenness. Barren places being fruitful. Salvation after all these years. You know those people in your family that you keep praying for and you keep praying for and you keep praying for and you haven't seen the shift yet? Could it be this year that salvation will come? Come on, let's have fruit for salvation in every season. It's time to flow in faith, church. It's that flow of the river out of the temple. It's time to step in and flow into faith. We need to encourage each other to go deeper in the river. I had to have encouragement from the Antigans on that boat to get in the water. And for my husband, who's like, come on in, the water's fine with the stingray, old Sammy the stingray who was there. But we need to step in. We need to encourage each other in this journey. We need to be there for one another to say, come on, it's time to go deeper. We can stand on the banks of the river and look down at that flow of faith and think that's nice. Or we can step in. We can get deeper and flow with God. How big is your faith for this year, church? How big is your faith for those promises you've not yet seen? How big is your faith in Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, for miracles, for breakthroughs, for healing? We need to put our trust and hope in God. I want to play a song to end this and then I will pray with you. And this song is an oldie, but it's a goodie. And it's called Oceans. And there's particularly a bridge in the song, and it's just the words are so powerful. And I just want to read them to you. They say, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And as we follow the lean of the Holy Spirit to go deeper, to step out in our faith, our faith will be made stronger. So we're going to play this and then I'd love to pray for you guys.
abounds in deepest waters Your sovereign hand will be my guide Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me You've never failed and you won't start
an opportunity now to do some business with God. Between you and Him, are there areas in your life where you know you need to go a bit deeper in your faith? Have you stood on the banks for too long because that felt like the safe place? But today you say, I want to go deeper. I want to step in. I want to trust you. I don't want to hold all the cards, as it were, anymore and be in control because I know, God, you've got something better. That I want to step into that place of depth with you because I know you've got me. I want to trust you. I no longer want to be stuck in the place of disappointment because that's become who I am really I've just become so disappointed that you might as well call me that by my first name but today God's saying no I'm giving you a new name just like I did with Abraham giving you a new name it's called faithful one faithful one put your trust in me put your trust in me so I want to pray Lord God I want to lift up every single person here I want to pray, Father, as they're contemplating stuff and just letting you speak to their hearts this morning, Father, that they'll make a choice to go deeper with you in their faith. Whether they're out in the wide oceans today, there's always more depth. Whether they're on the banks or just ankle depth, knee depth, they'll make a choice to go deeper in their faith with you, Lord God. I want to pray renewed hope and strength over every person here today to know, Lord God, that you've got it, that you're in control that they can trust you with their lives. They can give over every hope and dream and desire and vision to your hands because you're a good God. And that you will lead them by your spirit to those depths. You lead them. Father, where there's been the wrong way of flowing the river and we've become stagnant or we've tried to go the wrong way because of our fear, I want to pray a breaking off of fear over your church today. Fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of stepping in. And you would say, come on in, the water's great. Come on in because I've got this. Come on in, step into the promises of yes and amen, church. Come on in, trust me. I'm the God who created this whole universe and I create you and I know you. And I say, trust me. Trust me today. So I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit will just flood each heart with your peace, Father. Your peace that surpasses all understanding. Your shalom peace. They'll be stirred again with that trust of hope this morning. It's time to go again, church. Kim, it's time to go again. God says it's time to go again. You've made a decision and you've stepped out, but it's time to go deeper. It's time to go again because he's with you and it's going to be different this time. Woman of faith. He calls you woman of faith. Woman of faith. Keep asking. Keep praying. Keep knocking on my door. Woman of faith. It's different this time for you and your family. It's different. It's time to go deeper. And for others here, God is saying that. It doesn't matter what's gone before. Leave the salt water to be the salt water. It's time to get in the living water. It's time to flow again in that faith. It's time to step and move out because I've got you. Come on, church. I need a bride that's going to go and reach the world. I need your brokenness to be healed so you can go out there and free up some other broken people. It's time to step out. So we thank you, Lord God, for what you've done here this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you're king of our lives. We love you. There's going to be more opportunity for prayer after the meeting. Please come forward and see us if you'd like prayer for anything. But I just want to give an opportunity here today. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never stepped in to that journey of faith, I want to give you an opportunity here. 
So if that's you this morning, just wave at me and I'll pray a prayer. And then you can enter into this. I'll give you a moment. Don't be shy because God sees your hand. Okay, we're all good today. So that's good. But please do come forward for prayer. We're going to go out on some worship now. And come forward if you'd like prayer.